Men are seldom struck by incongruities in their appearance any more than in their own conduct. Welcome to Inside the Chinese Mind, the podcast for learning how to work cross-culturally with China business and with Chinese people and about China business development. Your hosts, Dr. Helen Jung from Cambridge, United Kingdom and Darren Fuchs from Thomson Gear Lawyers in Australia. Hi, podcasts. This is the second episode in our series on yin yang. If you've just stopped into this episode, go back to episode 13 to start on yin yang and then come back to this episode. Thanks, podcasts and viewers. Before we go deeper into yin and yang, Darren, you have a lot to say about the prevailing Western worldview. Yeah, in fact, Western thinking, uh, Helen, wasn't always what we have today. 400 years before Christ, Empedocles uh, was the Greek philosopher who developed the concept of the four forces or the four elements of the world, which were fire, air, water, and earth. But he went on to say that those four elements are both eternally brought into union and parted from one another by two divine powers, which he called love and strife, or we call love and hatred today. So instead of having the four forces that we think of today of gravity, electromagnetic force, weak nuclear force, and strong nuclear force, he postulated that the four elements were controlled and how they related to each other by those two divine powers or forces. And love, he said, was responsible for the attraction of different forms of matter, and strife or hatred is the cause of their separation. So imagine we're held on the earth. Well, why are we held next to the earth? Uh, is because of the love of the earth for us or our love for the earth. The yeah. Empedocles model of the world or the worldview was that there were four elements, fire, air, water, and earth, which were controlled by two different forces. That view of love and strife explained their variation and harmony. Love and strife are, are attractive and repulsive forces, respectively, which are plainly observable in human behavior. But he also thought pervaded the whole of the universe. But what he went on to say was that the, the two forces wax and wane in their dominance, but neither force ever wholly escapes the imposition of the other force. So that view of the universe being built of four forces, but having both an attraction and uh, a repulsion at the same time, causing union or parting was actually part of orig originally part of Western thinking. This is fascinating, Darren, because um, I'm just listening to you and uh, realize how this is actually similar to what Yin Yang describes. Very because, similar. Yeah, in the Yin Yang worldview, uh, we say that the um, there's a Chinese saying that if something has gone on to the to the extreme, it will go to the other direction. So the pendulum will swing. Yeah. And yeah. the force will move uh, to the other side. In other, in other words, that the forces will wax in vain. Yeah. Uh, one will dominate the other, but either force will ever be wholly independent or separated from the other. Isn't that yeah. amazing? I, I, perhaps we we can't really claim yin yang to be, <laughs> you know, Chinese only. I. Uh, 
it, it's it's perhaps the universe the universal truth was always captured by all cultures and and an old nation. In fact, um, the Chinese yin yang sign, the um, uh, next layer is actually we believe in five elements. So just yes. listening, we also have uh, fire. Uh, air, water, and earth, but the extra, the number five is metal or gold. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually where uh, our, we draw our inspiration of the five elements in the mm. Baker Zhang model. I was just thinking then, wondering whether it, uh, uh, because magnetism, electromagnetic yeah. force, only reacts with certain metals, mm. whether the Chinese were onto uh, electromagnetic force as something useful. Uh, uh, way back before Western society was. But let's speculate about that and come back to that later, shall we? Absolutely. Well, what happened in the Western world, Helen? I think uh, yeah. um, Empedocles and various other alternative philosophies were event- eventually lost popularity and the Plato-Socratic philosophy took over. Um, and that still is the basis of our cognitive thinking today in the Western society. What, soci- what Socrates or Socrates created and instilled uh, in Western society was the dialectic method of inquiry. Uh, and in fact, today it's still known as the Socratic method, applied to the examination of key moral concepts such as common good and to justice. Dialectic thinking is where you actually have a right and wrong. You go through premise, 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 conclusion to determine that the outcome is today, has been in the past, and will always be a particular answer. And so this system that Empedocles had developed of the two forces balancing each other, so you swing in the pendulum from one to the other, was replaced with a concept of breaking down uh, the the issue in a series of questions to get to an answer that for finally is distilled as being somewhere along that pendulum. And that's the final point. And then that final point sticks forever. For example, in Western thinking, company personnel will sit around a table and debate an issue. And eventually they come to an answer and decide, oh, that's the answer for for all time and it'll apply that answer it may be revised as they ask further questions but they're they're always in western thinking looking for a final outcome which will be revealed by questioning which is eventually the right answer so that's the difference between empedocles and today's socratic method which is you always stop the the pendulum somewhere along its swing Whereas um, in perhaps the Chinese environment, uh, things are dynamic, things are always changing. There is no absolute right or wrong. So what can be serving the purpose now as the best practice could be very much a different scenario the next day. And Indeed. therefore people, uh, management, uh, from the management to staff, they would always take a yin-yang kind of view to look at principles and rules and disciplines and menus, yeah. um, which, which is a, a very interesting. Sometimes it can be a frustration for people who are not used to that type of uh, I think a worldview. So. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, being a lawyer, I guess the basic difference that I see is that uh, if you have a system where the pendulum keeps swinging all the time and there is no absolute right or wrong, how can a contract survive in that environment? If a contract is fixing what the future will be, where yin-yang doesn't say the future is fixed. Um, no, and I can no. see a fundamental issue with the Chinese yeah. in, in accepting and working within the confines of a contract. 
Yeah, in fact, for a lot of Chinese people, signing the contract just symbolized the beginning or in the continuum between the yin and yang, there's one point that we reached a common ground. So let's yeah. go from there. Yeah, and we've reached that common ground today where we may reach a different common ground tomorrow. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so definitions of yin-yang thinking, Helen. Yes, the symbol for our podcasts and our um, uh, viewers, uh, we are glad to announce that uh, when you download the next podcast notes, you'll be able to find our new model, the shining symbol yes. of yin-yang, which is, again, a work in progress. Mm -hmm. But the yin-yang symbol, as you would, many of you would know, uh, was first seen in Yi Qing, uh, Yi Jing, we call it in Chinese, uh, yes. which is arguably the most recognized symbol from East Asia across yeah. many uh, of our Eastern Asian cultures. And it's uh, been copied extensively. Uh, you know, people used it and, and um, expanded it into other uses. Yeah, you see it in For tattoos. Example, Oh, sorry. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> no. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes. And you, you see it in tattoos. Uh, you see it in business symbology for or logos for companies. Uh, you see it in the symbol for the Baker Jung model. There's there's probably many different meanings applied to. But let's get down to the Chinese. What uh, what the Chinese mean for for West or for Chinese society? Sure. Well, the Chinese believe that the symbol explains all phenomena related to nature, human society scientific discoveries, and as well as historical and political changes. It forms a central part of the Chinese mind. This thinking also has an enormous impact on uh, Chinese philosophy, martial arts, uh, the uh, herbal, what we call TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, literature, yep. the daily behavior, beliefs and thinking, and other arenas. For thousands of years, so it's really a far-reaching <clears throat> worldview or a, a mm. philosophical uh, viewpoint for mm. many Chinese. And as as much as the Socratic method is central to Western thinking and so ingrained that when people do it, they don't need to know they're even doing it. Yin Yang worldview is so central and so ingrained in Chinese business and not, and other thinking that they don't know what they're even doing. In fact, as Bessie uh, pointed out in the interview we had with her last week, if you say yin-yang to Chinese, they'll think, oh, that's part of Taoism. But it's actually much more than that. It's actually the basis of Chinese thinking. And in fact, in your, uh, in your PhD, Helen, you quoted uh, Dr. Tony Fung, uh, who's the professor of business administration at Stockholm Business School of the Stockholm University. And I yes. think he gave a bit of a summary of sure. the three major principles of yin-yang. Do you want to tell us what, what they are and what they mean? Yeah, um, in the West, um, there's slowly but gradually growing attention or emphasis on maybe we should perhaps look at you know a, a different worldview or a different theory to guide us to understand the increasingly chaotic world from both the economic and political and the environmental uh, arena. So this is an effort of a lot of the academic or scholars and researchers starting to write 
papers or their research into uh, yin yang. So yes, uh, Professor Tony, uh, Professor Fang is one of the uh, leading scholars who has been trying, and she and he uh, also um, used to host uh, yin yang conferences uh, to invite people from all disciplines in the academic world and universities to run workshops and to just try to share and explain what yin yang theory is in an understandable way for the Western society. He explains that yin yang can be summarized in terms of three principles. The first one is that yin and yang coexist in everything. And everything embraces yin and yang. So the first one again is yin and yang coexist in everything, and everything embraces yin and yang. Yes. The second principle, yin and yang give rise to, complement and reinforce each other. Yin and yang give rise to, complement and reinforce each other. The third one is that yin and yang exist within each other and in. Interplay with each other to form a dynamic and paradoxical unity. That's uh, the last one is one I really like because it shows to me a real difference between the Socratic thinking and the Yin Yang thinking. In that both systems deal with paradox in a, in a as a central tenant, yes. but deal with it in a completely different way. Sure. Where Socratic thinking says that in a paradox situation you have to do. Uh, what I refer to as collapsing the wave function. Uh, for our podcasts who are keen on cosmology or on physics, um, one of the principles of the two-slit experiment or experiments in, in quantum physics is that particles can be in different states at the same time. Right. So they can have this situation of paradox in, in particles in quantum physics. But eventually, if you observe the particle, you do something with it, then it collapses the wave function, and then you get to know where the particle is at the time uh, and, and its state and what different elements it has. One of, the think, one of the real differences between Socratic thinking and yin-yang thinking is that in Western thinking or Socratic thinking, you must collapse the wave function. You must find where you have a paradox, you must resolve the paradox so you get to an answer. But in Chinese thinking, Helen... Yes, um, in Chinese thinking, there is the paradox for the Chinese. We see it as interdependent and coexisting opposites. So there's no yeah. extreme, uh, there's no separation. So in yeah. fact, in yin-yang thinking, paradoxes are not collapsed. You don't collapse the wave function with them. You no. keep the paradoxes running at all times. In other words, it's not either or. So for Chinese to start with, we do not see anything as part paradoxical. So yeah. you hold you hold two seemingly opposing concepts together at the same time. Yeah. In fact, sometimes you hold a whole continuum of different positions on the one issue at the same time. <laughs> yes. And... and, and it, there may be places where it's collapsed down to one way or the other, but you allow the paradox to continue as long as possible um, right. so that 
today you may act one way, tomorrow you act a different way. And it's all perfectly fine. Absolutely. <laughs> it's all survivable. And yes. that's the difference I find with some, some American friends who have worked in China for three years, those that can handle the constant paradox in thinking, uh, the constant today it's one way, tomorrow it's totally different, and change is the normal thing. Yeah. Those who can live with that do well in China. Those who can't live with that find it very hard to survive long term. Um, I must say, sometimes it's quite taxing, Darren. Even for me, uh, being a Chinese person, I still recall um, I was um, uh, managing a multi-million-dollar joint venture project down yes. south in Guangzhou, uh -huh. and uh, uh, the same road. I, I usually uh, will get to work, get to this uh, particular office every day. So yeah. the same road. Today was going one direction. It's a one-way road. The right. next morning, I travel with travel with the same driver. It yes. was turned against, so it's the other way. <laughs> My driver says, "I'm sorry. I, I I'm sure it was the other way yesterday." So he was horrified that I could be saying to him, "How come you didn't know this was?" I said, "No, don't worry." I said, "I know this road. I came back here last night. It was the mm. other way." But mm. that's that's the reality in China. Things happening fast and things change. Yep. And yep. what do you do? You just get on with it. You accept the change and you remain flexible and mm. um, just go with the change. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah. 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 And live with it and just finding ways to operate within that environment. In the result, there are three different fundamental business philosophies. And I'll give the West and you give the East. So Westerners tend to think that there's a black and white to everything. There's a, a right and wrong. And in China? It's all about balancing and harmony so everyone's happy. All the time. And to satisfy those other elements of the Baker Junk model, we talk about Zhonggong, we talk about uh, living in part of a community, etc., cetera, uh, and not just individualism but collectivism. Uh, to satisfy those, to just be black and white on things means you must exclude all the time elements of people or elements of business where where the Chinese try to embrace all those things and have them flowing all at the same time. Instead of black and white, perhaps it's yeah. multicolored. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or an entire spectrum at one time. Yeah. Another one is the dialectic thinking, that one is right and the other one is wrong, and that you question until you get to the right answer. And that right answer then is right for, for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But in the Chinese sense? Again, it's um, a dynamic pendulum. Uh, there's no extreme. There's no either or. So there is no absolute right or wrong. You just don't see things that way. Yeah. And the last of the three is that everything is fixed and immutable. That once it's fixed, it stays there forever. And I love the saying, from a, a great manager I knew, which was all decisions are fixed and firm until changed. But right. the, the, the view was, or the worldview was, when it's fixed, it's fixed. And we operate on that basis. And unless we agreed otherwise, we must all follow that same thinking. Whereas in China, the saying is that the only constant is change. And that's true and for China, the, isn't it? And it's change, um, change along many continuums. It could yeah. all be at once. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and as you said, uh, Helen, your recent trip to China in our discussion just before the podcast, uh, there's so many changes you noticed just recently in China as well. 
Indeed, um, the whole nation has jumped on the e-commerce or the internet um, wave of technology ad- advancement. Darren, uh, I took the children one early morning to Badaling, which is、uh, for those who've been to Beijing, is one of the、uh, places that you go and visit the Great Wall. Now, at、mm. the entrance, you cannot、mm. buy tickets anymore. So you can only buy tickets there for the lift that takes you up, but the entrance tickets can only be bought on the WeChat. Well, yes. And then you have to have your ID or your passport with you to navigate and fill in all the details. And I said, I speak Chinese. I still have to struggle through. Imagine the other. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so if you don't speak、uh, Chinese, be warned. If you're going to visit Beijing, go to the Great Wall, join a group. That's the way. <laughs> yep. Let someone else deal with the uh, the uh, the dynamic pendulum. Yeah, but it just shows you how fast the change can be in China. And there's, you know, there's、uh, hundreds of cars. Even this is very early、uh, in the、mm. morning because we、yeah. want to get up early. It's it's summer in Beijing. It gets to about thirty five degrees at about ten o'clock. So we were there by about seven o'clock. There are already. People queuing up uh, to uh, climb the wall. So these are people from all over China, from all、um, walks of life. Yeah, and they're all comfortable <clears throat> with getting their tickets、uh, using the、uh, what I call it the sophisticated system to、yes. uh, to book their ticket, and they all、yeah. had no trouble doing it. Yeah, and I think your last visit to China was six months ago. It was yes. Yeah, a、so、little while is- ago. Yeah, so it's amazing、yeah. if you're out of China for six months, you're out of date. You're absolutely so yeah. the yeah. So we we need to go back there again soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I tend to go once every quarter, once every six months at the max, and、yeah. every time I find a difference or differences in how things operate there. I'm just wondering how would the Chinese mind handle not having change all the time? Change can be unsettling, even for a Chinese person. Um, but suffice to say that they are more comfortable to changes、uh, compared to a lot of people who live outside China because、oh. of the environment, because of、yeah. the speed of everything is happening there all the time. Yeah. Hi, Darren. I think we've covered quite a lot today, and、uh, why don't we stop it here for this episode and、uh, continue our conversations in the next one. Let's do that. There's a lot to go on Yin Yang and to understand how it applies. So let's have a break now. We'll come back with more on Yin Yang、uh, because it is the central thinking model for the Chinese mind. Indeed, it is critical. So、yes. uh, thank you again, Podcats, for joining us on this stimulating conversation, and look forward to seeing you or hearing from you for the next one. Please clear immigration fear. Thank you.